because well, for most of these podcasts, I've had a glass of Pepsi Max and I've I've run out. Oh no! Uh, I'll have to cup. grab some more before we. I'm, I'm streaming. I've just tonight, managed so. to zip my headphones inside my top. <laughs> We both have different problems. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm fighting with clothing. Welcome to Murdering a Podcast. Uh, in today's episode, I'm out of Coke and, <laughs> and Tash is struggling with her zips. Uh, yep. Oh, sorry. Flies. You're not allowed to, allowed yeah, to mention zips on uh, a podcast. No, that doesn't work. And it's the wrong way round. It was a good gag. It's just the wrong way round. Yeah. It should it should be oh the zips. Why the zips? Cuz you're not allowed to mention flies on the BBC. That's the gag. It's from an old um <laughs> it's it's from a uh who was it? It's Round the Horn episode, I think. Okay. That, that did that. I I have a mind like a steel trap. Everything is trapped inside and I can't get in. Oh, That's, I was going to say I've got a mind like a sieve. <laughs> <laughs> the best one was uh, is it in an episode of Bottom. I've got a mind like a car crash. There's blitz of it flying all over the place. Uh, <laughs> quite like. I do quite like that one. Anyway, like welcome to Bird Rigger Podcast. Today we're talking about Chekhov's gun after this. Welcome to Murdering a Podcast, two writers' journey to produce a narrative murder mystery. You've got to do the finger action. Do, pew, pew. I, ah. pew, pew, pew. No, I can't. Pew, 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 ah, you can't. I can. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> but if somebody comes up to you and goes, pew, pew, you, you go pew, pew back, don't you? Yeah? No. Pew, pew. No, no I that's do. just you. That's just you. All right, audience, right. Solve this argument. If someone comes up to you and holds the, holds up the two, this is a British thing, right? And holds the fingers up and goes, pew, pew. Like, you, you do have to go pew, pew back, do you not? I mean, you can't see what I'm doing with the actions unless you're watching the video on Patreon. <laughs> the, the actions, are, I mean, I wouldn't watch the video on Patreon. If you are a patron, then don't watch this episode because it's it's terrible. It's appealing. It should never be allowed on the BBC. Um, <laughs> it started it yet. <laughs> today, we're going to be talking about Chekhov's gun. And yes. uh, it's, a, it's a dramatic, it's a piece of advice that Anton Chekhov used to give to people, to dramatic students. The idea of it is very simple, that if you have something that you bring on stage and he, you know he was talking about playwriting because your major hollywood films hadn't been invented back then um if you have something <laughs> that is is focused on, on on stage you have to use that by the end of the play so if you bring a loaded gun onto stage and this is where it came from that gun has to be fired by act three or by the yes. end of act three um, and essentially, the the advice it's not just about having a gun. the The advice is, don't try and well, first of all, don't try and pay off something that you haven't set up, because that yep. is ultimately not necessarily a good thing. Um, and also, uh, don't promise the audience something that you then can't deliver on. So, you know, don't put this idea into a character's head if they then go back and say, no, we're, we're not going to do that and we're going to do something else instead. So, I, Tash, I just, yeah, I was going to say, say you, you've heard about this in different forms. What are yeah. those different forms? Um, just as it's, it's been explained is, is, is don't, you know, don't it's plot holes really more than anything. So it, it, I just found, sorry, I just found a quick, did a, Googled it and I thought I'll go, get a definition from Google. But it, it, the definition on here says Chekhov's gun is a dramatic principle whereby the writer won't make false promises, which is what you were saying to me earlier. Yeah. Um, that you must only draw attention to something if its significance, yeah, will be revealed later in the story. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I got it explained is, is if you put something in it, use it. And that was that was the that's how I had it explained is if, if you have if you put something in your show or if you put something in your writing, Make sure that you use it. Um, I had it explained more it's, like... Yeah, it's more of if, it, if something is brought to prominence. So, uh, yeah. again, like with the gun, but I, I... Well, before we started recording, I was talking about, uh, you know, um, a time when this happens is in the fifth element. So, without spoiling things, at the end of the fifth element, this will spoil things, won't it? If you haven't seen the fifth element, where have you been? Um, and you don't want to skip this. Just skip forward a couple of minutes, and or, uh, and, and you'll miss the the thing. At the end of the fifth element, uh, they need to light a fire, 
and Corbin has a single match left over. Yes. That is set up at the beginning of the film where he opens a matchbox. He has two matches left and he uses one of them to light. I think he lights a cigarette with it. Yes. But without that first scene, the fact that he has a match is so, uh, you know, deus ex machina really. Oh, he's got a match, but we don't know where the match came from. As to be, I suppose, unappealing to an audience. Whereas... You know, if you if you had the setup of it, he's got a match, and then you didn't pay that off in the end with well, how's he going to set a fire? Then again, that's an unappealing thing to an audience. So this works kind of from two points of view, if you will. It's for me. It's like things like the devil's in the detail, isn't it? As well, it's if you if you're going to really bring yeah. a detail to the prominent eye, right to the foreground then you have to use it. it. It's there for a reason. Jonathan Creek uh, does this beautifully quite often in his shows. Is An ex of mine, he was one of those most annoying people. He was ridiculously smart. And <laughs> when I say that, and what I mean by that is he was really good. Like you couldn't watch a murder mystery without him figuring it out in the first five seconds. And you, he would you know say what? to me... I'd spit him aside. Um, Avadni posted... Uh, that she watched Stranger Things, and I posted yeah. that thing, and I figured out the twists in the new Stranger Things. Yeah, I, a few episodes, a good few episodes before they were actually kind of came up. I was starting <laughs> to figure it out, but there was that moment where, in that final episode, where I went, "Oh," I was like, and then you, I was like, "Oh, you I am." Find right. that final episode again, not giving spoilers away. That final episode, that last twist, it was telegraphed. <laughs> so soon before they actually yeah. you know they did the reveal at the end and you went yeah i know this you told us this ages ago yes we've just been figuring this out i figured that out the moment you put you you hinted at it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's um but that's the thing it, they oh, i don't really want to ruin that one for anybody i'm trying to i'm being careful because it's <laughs> if you haven't seen it freaking watch it's beautiful it's so good and they've got some ah oh, i love that show um but Jonathan Creek does this beautifully where, and, and this is what one of my exes used to used to say is, is in the first few minutes, he'd be like, oh, it's this person. I'd be like, how? And there's one episode and it's the tw something about the twins episode. And it was just a bit of nail polish on the wall or a bit of lipstick yeah. on the wall yeah. that he figured it out. Um, mm. And it was that little bit of lipstick, that little bit of nail polish. Whatever I have to it watch was, Jonathan Creek again because it it's been a long time since I've seen him again, and I've, I've got, got the entire I've, box I, set. It's such a long time. I've got all of them on DVD. I didn't even, you know, buy them on, on streaming. That's so I bought them as they were coming out. So it's been a while. Uh, oh, I've I'd got like the whole box this. set. There's one of them that doesn't work properly on my on the d videos, but I, I, I'm very annoyed about that. But. But if you ever want um, to see it again, it's all on Netflix. I Netflix, think. yeah, I know. I found that out after I bought the bastard. Oh wow! Um, but. So, I want it though because I love box sets. I love box sets. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, yeah, yeah he does that, on. and he he will bring something to prominence right at the beginning, and you know with Jonathan Creek when he goes, oh, a feather. Oh, never mind. And then you know that that's what's going to be bring ball back to happen, something's yeah. going to happen to that feather, and it's it's that feather or that whatever. And uh, murder. Uh, what's it in Paradise? Uh, Death in Paradise Death or whatever Paris, it's called. Yeah, yeah. They do the same. They're very formulaic in the way they do it, but they do the same thing. It's it will be a random object or a random thing that he finds halfway through or early on. Yeah, that he goes, huh? That's weird. Yeah, and then it's never mentioned again until right at the end, where he's just about to make his but connection, that is a, and then that is something a key else. Piece of evidence, and actually, yeah. one of the, that, the we're talking about murder mystery stuff. That is one of those things where you know Chekhov's gun really plays a big. Um, a big role in the way that you write something because yeah. you know you've got to make sure that you're you're kind of um uh well I don't but you know most people have to make sure that you're kind of adding in little elements that might fool the audience that might fool them to think that they're going down one path and not the other how do you do that without making people go but hang on you said this thing over here and you've ignored that whole thing <laughs> completely you know so that's, a, well, that's if another I tell you that I'll have to kill you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's all sorts of different examples of Chekhov's gun in, 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 in cinema from yeah. the really simple crossing the streams thing that was set up right at the beginning of, of 
you know, they've got their proton packs for the first time. What happens if you cross the streams? So that was already set up. We know that's a bad thing to do. And then at the end of it, that's the the only way that they can do it. But again, mm. if you just at the end of the thing said, we've got to cross the streams, there's no stakes there because you, yeah. you haven't explained to the audience why it's a particularly bad thing. Or the tarantula in Home Alone. Yes. If you just suddenly had a tarantula, it could have been still a pet tarantula from somewhere, but where, where the... Where did that come from? You know, yes. whereas the setup in the beginning of it is that we know that Kevin is scared of it, and yeah. so you know, it, as he's putting this, you know, he's putting setting these things up. He's using something he's scared of to, to sort of scare uh, somebody else. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a of a film that does it badly because I'm, I'm there's there's plenty that that do and it, it's and it really irritates me when it happens and I can't think of any off the top of my head where you kind of get to the end and you go there was just something not right and it will be it will be that they haven't paid off or some you know the thing that they introduced early on and I think it's it's sometimes it sometimes happens with tv series where the tv series gets cancelled before they actually get to to the fruition Sure, um, sure. So it's not really their fault that that important item in series one at the beginning was really, really important. But they had a nine series plan of, of storyline, but they only got to series eight. And yeah. Of course, I've got a pussy coming up between my legs. Um, and uh, you sit there. Good girl. So that kind of, I mean, that nearly happened with Sense8 where there was some really, really important things. And if you haven't watched Sense8, it's a marvellous series with a beautiful sort of ending and the film, they, 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 essentially it was such a popular show and it was such a cliffhanger and there were so many of these things that they'd set up throughout that just never came to fruition because they had a longer storyline involved. Yeah. That yeah. when Netflix cancelled it because of the budgetary reasons, the fans to the point where they uh, forced Netflix to bring it back as a as a close, you know, like a film, a feature film, by just everyone cancelled. I know I was one of those people. We all, everyone just cancelled their subscription. Everyone who watched it, <laughs> and they were like, "Shit!" And as soon as they agreed to do the film, everyone signed back up again. And yeah, it was like. True fine this is why i like streaming sites rather than you know like on demand sites because <laughs> the audience have the power to demand what they want to watch and they can't necessarily cut things as 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 you know halfway through as as, as they can on main tv if it's popular yeah um i've got a very very angry cat um <laughs> she'd normally be going out by now and outside <laughs> in the summer so we have um, been doing this we've we've just recorded three episodes back to back and one of them was the longest episode i think we've done so far so yeah, yeah. that was my so. um but i think yeah there, there are some films and i can't think of any that just they they do this and it it gets frustrating when they they'll introduce all these concepts all these little details and then nothing happens and you're like i think i think you still have to be careful I think you still have to be careful of it because I think it, it can feel somewhat contrived if you have an element that is so important at the end of the film and, and yet the setup for it is something fairly innocuous at the beginning of the film. It can either feel incredibly contrived or it can be, you know, the perfect thing because everybody's forgotten about it and suddenly, oh, yes, there's that thing. Like in Knives Out, they do that. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, I well, we won't go into it because you need to see that film. It's brilliant. It really it's is brilliant. It's on my watch list, and now yeah. I've got my now I've got my toy. I can watch that. Um, <laughs> I was talking about my toy earlier, but um, there we go. My cat's just getting comfortable on her little on her little throne up on my desk, cuddling up to my foot. Um, <laughs> my foot is on my desk because I have to sit with my foot up, feet up, but. Yeah, it's yeah. I think you, you've got to be careful. You've got to do it right. You've got to set it up right. And when you refer to it at the end, it's got to be something that gets the audience to go, "Oh, of course." Yeah, yeah. It can't be you anything know. that's too too prominent, so that by the time the problem comes up, the audience has remembered the solution already. Yes. But if if they uh, don't remember that there was a point in there, then that, again, that's a bit of a problem as well. You need yeah. it needs to be something that is memorable, but not memorable enough for you to kind of um, uh, remember it as the as the problem happens. 
Yeah. I do love playing the game of when they when they introduce these things and going, oh, that's going to be important. Or, you know, I love playing that oh. game watching watching shows and it's like, oh, is that going to be important? They've 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 this seems really pointless, this thing that they're drawing attention to. Why <laughs> and you know, if you know this rule and you see them just drawing attention to something that seems absolutely in you know, an, an object it's, or, I suppose or something. This is because you know, normally when we're talking about stuff like this, we're talking about writing as a as a thing. But what we're talking about in this instance, much like we talk, talked about in the last couple of episodes, where we're talking about making a film or you know a film script, we're really dealing with visual storytelling in a way that we haven't done when we're talking about doing um, a, a, a podcast or a radio yeah. play or something like that. And so there are ways of doing it where you can show something on screen without it being a big thing for the character and that gets around a lot of the problems like you know if you were doing this on radio and maybe that's the next thing we should talk about how how can you do that well on radio um i can't do i can't do that without ruining the plot for my current because <laughs> <laughs> right. i do that in i do that in the current series that i'm writing with sure. with something that i put in at the beginning in fact part of the plot that i put in at the beginning is really really important to the last yeah. episode that's yeah. all i'm going to tell you um and when it gets to that last episode and it all comes together and you go, ah, yes, you know, well, it won't, it's not the same. It's not just in this series. It goes beyond this series, this, this yeah. thing, but it, yeah, it's, it's that. And I'll draw attention to it quite a few times <laughs> in the show because it is that important, Yeah, but it seems so random that I will keep drawing attention to it. And it's, it's that. It's like, huh. And a lot of the times it's background noise that you're getting told I've, about this. I've got, yes, exactly. I've got something in the, the in episode two of Peregrine and Windsor where I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be the, the case. Um, so there is a worry, though, that it will be so subtle that an audience won't get it. Because with a murder mystery, at least, you want to give people at least some chance of actually figuring out what's going on. Yeah, I, you have I'm, to. You know, I, I hate the ones where the the detective only knows because they have a piece of, of information that you could never possibly have guessed or, you know, is completely, you, you don't have access to at all. So it's, uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, I think it is sort of difficult but well i think having with ours which is why it's it's why we have the sort of case files that um audiences can access at the start of the episode so for those people who don't know because i'm not sure we've actually talked about the way that that's going to work yet properly yeah um the idea is that we've got a an episode that you can watch and then there will be extra case files that you can go and, and buy if you want to you don't have to but you can if you want to that will contain more information if you want to solve the 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 episode the solve the the murder I mean, they're not exactly the, they're not going to be majorly expected they're like ninety nine p kind yeah of cheap stuff that, yeah, yeah cheap yeah yeah it's more to help raise money so that we can actually keep we get paid <laughs> we need to pay things, our bills you know these things aren't, aren't cheap you know I mean yeah you know uh, just I mean I, I've I've made and well, this is a, a complete aside to everything that we were talking about today but it's kind of relevant to Sorry. us as a company um. I made the decision to stop using Adobe software a couple of weeks mm. ago. And that means that suddenly we don't have Illustrator. As a company, we don't have mm -hmm. access to Illustrator or InDesign or um, Premiere. And so I've had to find ways of getting around that. Now, there are ways of getting around that. I've got Affinity Devi Designer and Affinity Publisher and uh, Affinity Photo, and I've got DaVinci Resolve. So there are these brilliant programs that are out there that will, will replicate that work. But mm. it's not the same ecosystem as Adobe, and it's not the system that I've used for, for like, 20 years uh you know i started using the macromedia stuff about 20 years ago so uh, i'm having to relearn all of this this stuff again but you know even then that stuff isn't cheap it's still a chunk of money every time that you have to have to bring in and i have to have these things because i need it to create the stuff that we want to be able to create mm. um and i've kind of lost the plot of what i was saying uh, well we were just saying we charge we, we're charging like little small amounts for for the case files like 99p my, just so we can raise money yeah, yeah microtransactions just so that we can bring in a little bit just to support some of the outgoings we have for our shows and stuff so we do ask that people you know please please you know if you if you're listening to the the, the podcast when we do release them 
um, and you are investigating along, please download those. And and you know, ninety nine p. We're that's literally all we're asking for. Well, I I think that I I don't quite know how it'll all fit together yet because we're still working out some of the technical stuff. But I think the most that we would we would charge is something like two ninety nine. Um, mm. But I would imagine we'd do a whole bundle of stuff for that rather than just yeah. a, a single clue or anything. Yeah, the lot of the stuff that I'm doing for my ones at the very first, at the start are going to be very cheap, kind of just very basic mm. things with hidden clues that you can find. Like, so there will yeah, be that's, some that's hidden clues that you don't have to pay what I'm for as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. some hidden clues that you won't have to pay to get access to. You just have to solve puzzles and and use your brain to do it. Um, but then you've got the case file with other clues in and and stuff that you can use to to help solve the case if you want to play along. And just to um, be really clear. The the thing that you get will help you solve it, but is not the solution. Yes. You still have to work that out. So if you like mystery and you go, oh, well, no, I, I want, you know, I'll just go with the information that we've got in the episode. You, you could still, you know, you'll get something from it, but it's not a cheat code to, to figuring out what's going on. No, it, it all it does is it fills in blanks. A lot of the stuff with that comes along is also about the underlying story. So with, with ours... What I do is is I'll have I've got an underlying story that's that's stretching out over several underlying series. story. La 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 la. Um, so we have an underlying story that <laughs> that, that that goes over several several series, and each series will have a point of reference for that. And everything that happens is linked to that underlying story somehow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything that you see, it, it, so a lot of that evidence that we put aside that you, ca- you you can find, search for, or you you might pay a small nominal fee. Again, pennies. <laughs> it really isn't much, with, and especially with cost of living. We feel so bad for charging. Money. We're like so we're justifying <laughs> asking you to pay for something we spent hours and days and years like working on, and it's like this is, but, this is why liberal arts is always you know it's always the starving artist that is the is the kind of yeah. the, the archetype it's because people who are in the arts want everybody to experience the things that they create and so that yeah. they are more likely to give stuff away we're trying to be as practical as possible by saying well look, you can donate at patreon which is the classic way that mm. people would support artistic projects you'd have a patron yeah. and they would you know um or you can you know uh, buy well, we haven't got the merch store up yet it's coming it's taking me a while because I've got a bunch of other stuff on, but um, it, it's it's on its way. Um, when we have all of that together, you know, though that money that comes in that will help support us to do so many different things, you know. Yeah, so it, that's the thing. I mean, we we you know, and we are a community interest company. So anything that you do spend on products with us, or you do, you know, we do ask for is is really to support the products, mm. so that we can hire and pay actors and creatives and actually give living wages, which is what we want to do. Yeah, but there's very little funding, so we have to figure it out ourselves. At the moment, we're all working for free and not getting paid for any of it. So it's it's, you know, we're having to find other means to pay our bills. So you know, when we, but this is the thing that Steve was saying was is. I hate charging for, for, for the work and it's like, I, I feel like I have to justify like a few, a, you know, a few pennies or a couple of quids to, mm. to be able to, act, you know, to go, well, we'll give you this extra, but could you pay for it please so that we can actually pay ourselves or so that we can buy the equipment to be able to do this or so that we can pay this actor or we can, do you know yeah. what I mean? So that yeah, we can, yeah, we can yeah, actually completely. produce these things completely. and keep going. So you know, I think all artists feel a bit guilty for asking, like people who are genuinely in it for the love of the art and the love of the creativity well, well, tend to feel a bit guilty. Here's the thing about business. There is a massive thing called imposter syndrome that, that um, is not, it's sort of tangentially connected to what we're talking about right now, which yeah. is where people will um, think that they are not worthy of a particular level of success because they don't feel that they've done enough to get there. And yes. similar, I've, I've noticed it in photography where people who are doing some brilliant photos will say, well, I don't want to sell it because it's not good enough. Yeah, I know that it with artists. really is. You know, it, it happens with with people all the time. And, and it's a... It's it happens in business as well. If you, if you mm. think that it's, you know, it's just as bad if you're starting off, you know, when I was in, in web design and you saw some companies charging... Uh, five six seven thousand pound for the sort of stuff that we were doing which we were charging 500 for you know it's a Mm. big 
big difference between a company that can survive and that can't. Um, yes. And so you have to, it's a mindset problem that we all face. You have to say, look, the things that we are producing are valuable. They are valuable yes. to somebody, to enough people for us to to, to charge money for, to do this. Well, it was like the the live shows and stuff. I mean, I, I, no matter how many times the audience would say, you could probably charge double and I'd still think this was a, a, a good deal. I still wouldn't put those prices up, and I was like, "I, but I feel, I feel bad charging them as it yeah. is, you know." Mm. And it, it's, it's that, and it, it, it still confounds me that people wanted to actively, f that still want to pay right, to see something that I've created because I, I enjoyed to mm. create, you know. Mm. And you're like, mm. I, "I did that," and you want to pay? Why? It's just me, and it, and it, it's a really hard mindset to 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 to, to overcome. One that of the things actually, that helped. Oh, fun fact! That's a trauma response, by the way. That is a right. that is from from trauma. That is a trauma response. That thing of why why would you want to why would you want to invest in me or do you know what I mean? That is actually from a trauma response. One of the things that helped for me was actually getting paid by Google because I've got a YouTube channel uh, where I talk about photography, and yep. uh, I reached. I've got a thousand five hundred subscribers. So it's not a lot. It's a tiny channel, really, but it's still in the top like ten percent of channels on YouTube because most people don't make it beyond the kind of like the couple of hundred people. So um, I uh, have that channel, and suddenly I was able to monetize it. So this is a big one of the biggest companies of the world saying your content is valuable enough for us to give you money for it if people watch your content. Yeah. Um, and that was a big thing because, you know, suddenly it's not, even though it is essentially just you sitting in a room, but it's suddenly it's another entity that's saying this stuff is valuable enough for whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's a big thing to kind of, to kind of get a, a, away from and possibly a much bigger topic than we're, we're going to be able to cover in the next, what, 10 minutes or so. Yeah. But we were talking about we were talking about Chekhov's gun, weren't we? So this mm. this whole thing. So why why would you say that Chekhov's gun is going to be important? Why would you say that that is something that is really important to remember in that rule? I th I think that because too often you will see something. I tell you what, we last the last couple of weeks we were talking about Supergirl, mm. and we were talking about you know doing this because we we wanted to take movies that weren't very good or movies that were incredibly bad and then rewrite them so that they'd be good this is a, a, a an idea that i've wanted to do for such a long time but haven't been able to what i wanted to do originally was take old episodes of doctor who and then mm. remake them with modern production values to see what it would be like to see what you'd be able to do with it because i just i'm just interested in that but <laughs> in order to do that that would cost a couple of million pound every time you wanted to make a video which isn't you know yeah. not a particularly good use of two million pound um <laughs> so uh, but so this is a, like one of those elements that you'd have to do is to take something which is appalling and then rewrite it so that it is is better so that it you know um and a lot of the films that i've been looking at that kind of gave me the idea of doing that are films where you've got something that crops up at the end that nobody knows about mm. um or something that is is such a big thing at the beginning of the film then they just forget about it halfway through it's just suddenly no longer important because you know the director's got a better idea and then it you know it goes off Somewhere a else. bit like the orb in the in in Supergirl that we were talking about that orb thing the, the like thing the that gives life so it's it's this big deal at the beginning it's sent to Earth and then she forgets about it it's it's no longer yeah. important it's her entire mission to go to Earth she's got two days she's got to do this thing and then she gets to Earth and she gets distracted by a boy and then like... yeah. well the orb itself doesn't actually have a payoff. Because yeah. the, we have She's the like, orb. Oh, I've got it, and then goes back up. Supergirl eventually gets the orb, and then we don't see what the outcome what of that is. Which is yeah. kind of, since that was the point of the movie, that was why you gave us 11 minutes of movie to begin with, then that that's, again, not a good use of thing. The orb is a bit different. It's not really a, a, a prop in that respect. It's more of a MacGuffin where, you know, a, a single prop that is the catalyst for your movie. You know, like yes. Maltese Falcon is is a MacGuffin, um, uh, but similarly, I mean, the, the, there are moments where you see some of these plot hole websites or, or videos, and, and you go, you know, he could have stopped this thing because we know in Act One he had this thing. 
Um, yeah, and that's a, why it's important is to make sure that, that your script is internally consistent, oh. I suppose. There's a film that I remember with that. It's like, oh, why don't they just do this? And I can't remember the name. That I think that may be what, what the problem is, is when you have a film that's so dissatisfying and all you're thinking is, well, why didn't you just do this thing because you got this thing at the beginning? You don't watch it again. You just don't remember it don't ever remember again. It you just kind yeah. of go, oh, I'm not interested in that, and you don't remember it. But I, there is a film. There is a film that, that that did that, and I was just like, well, why couldn't dumbass? You know, again, the whole sort of forgetting that, that Supergirl can fly when the floor's all uneven. And, and yeah, forgetting yes, that, exactly, exactly, yeah. You yeah. know, um, and... Oh, what else? That's just, it's bugging me. It's going to bug me. It will remind me of uh, my brain will remember it at like three in the morning. But it, it's, it's, they'll introduce something and then completely forget. And then the, the characters in this really difficult. Oh, it was The Ring. Okay. Right. Okay. So, and I can't remember which version of it. And I think literally at the beginning of the film, someone tells the girl who's got the, who's got the video right at the beginning. All you have to do is this and you'll kill it. That is it. She pretty much tells the main character, the protagonist, right, how right, right, right. to end the, the whatever her name, Samara, her her reign. Because so, I noticed, I think this was in the original version, actually. And they, they pretty much tell her right at the start. Right. And then it, she spends the entire film trying to figure out how to stop it. And you're like, she, they told you at the beginning. <laughs> they said, I think it was something like destroy the tape. I can't remember, but it was something ridiculously easy. And they just, well, they tell her at the beginning and then she forgets about it. How about this? In Infinity War, okay, hmm. we have established that right at the beginning of the film, that Doctor Strange has access to magic that can sever hands. And then with portals, yeah, and he never does it. Just, I'm reading out a tweet, by the way. Just yeah. <laughs> he never does it, despite the fact that the main threat of the movie is literally the villain's hand. Yeah, they kind of forget about that power. There's a lot of powers that 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 the superheroes have. That the in fact, I think it happens a lot more in superhero films than it does in anything else because yeah. you have got to kind of compete with the fact that. Um, the superhero can do X, Y, or Z. And, you know, you've set that up right at the beginning and then the payoff is, well, we're going to forget about that power because it's not convenient to the plot that we want to tell. Yeah. Um, this is why if if you're a Doctor Who writer and if you were a Doctor Who writer in the 1990s and you worked for Virgin on the new adventures, uh, there was a basically a, a Bible of stuff that you could do. And one of them was, once they're out of the TARDIS, give them a reason not to go back. Because it's too big a thing. It's too easy to to solve that problem with a, oh, but we've got a time machine. Let's solve that problem with a time machine. Yeah. Well, it's not just a time machine, either. It's, it's a time and space machine. It's a space-time Well, sure, device. yes. yes. Go there's, anywhere there's, in space-time, you know, it's... There's lots of moments on that that, yeah, it could, could actually uh, have, have uh, made a lot of plots redundant. But yeah. taking that taking that away from it, that's just the... The thing that gets them to the situation. There's got to be other reasons why they don't get to the situation. I'm just. I was. I just thought. Oh, I'll have a quick look on um... the internet. The Tintlenet, the Tintlewebs, on the Reddit to see if I can find something. And I came and it got, what's the, the most disappointing unfired Chekhov's gun? And it says, in Tron Legacy, and this is this is on Reddit, so I'm nicking it off Reddit, Olivia Wilde mentions how Jeff Bridges' light cycle is still the fastest thing on the grid. It seems like the setup to an awesome race chase scene, but instead, Garrett... Head, Headland just uses it to drive to the city and then gives it to a hobo. Yeah, like that. That's quite dis disappointing. Um, that actually reminded me. Oh, what was it? Oh, gone. Oh, Flash. Like the Flash, right? The series, right. the Flash. Okay, yeah, yeah. Every damn episode, they go. 
I am the fastest man alive. And yet every goddamn season, somebody faster yes, comes in. And you're like, yeah. you're not the fastest <laughs> man alive, though, are yeah. you? And it's yeah. it, they make this big deal about him being the fastest man alive. But in order to beat him, the baddies have to be faster than him. And every single season, there's always someone faster than him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that is a freaking annoying thing. Because it's like... It's not quite the Chekhov's gun, but it, it's kind of, it just, it's frustrating when you, when you see something like that. I would I, say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, I suppose that's why it's, it's sort of really important. There's a good, good uh, list of things here. It's on, on, on Reddit, which I think is the same one that you're, uh, you're looking at. It's, um, the, sort of talking about, um, unfired Chekhov's guns. Um, yep. Uh, where does it say? It's so, uh, early in The Phantom Menace, it's established that the Jedi, including Obi-Wan, can sprint at super speed. Not only is there no payoff for this ability elsewhere in the movie, but it's blatantly ignored in the climax when Obi-Wan runs at normal speed and barely misses the uh, opening in the force field. In fact, I've never seen them since that that introduction of that do that in any of like do the super run. Although I I'm not, don't think they do. I think yeah. that was a contrivance it's, for the Phantom Menace, and that was it. Yeah, it was. A, oh, here it is, and then we're going to just forget about it for the rest of the entirety of the of any of the movies that we're ever going to write ever, <laughs> and all of the TV series that we're ever going to write ever. We'll just introduce it once for this particular plot, and then completely forget about it. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's quite a good Chekhov's gun that that was never never really fired, and it, it's. You know, I think we were talking about it with superheroes. They go, oh, here's this really powerful superhero. Oh, shit. Now we've got a supervillain that they could just destroy with a wink. And then like, <laughs> oh, well, now what we're going to do with the, with this really powerful superhero we've created? Again, we, we talked about this last week because you've got that with, with Supergirl. Essentially, Supergirl has all of Superman's powers. They are, you know, two of the, the most powerful people in that universe. And how do you deal with that? What level of threat can, can deal with that? Well, Luckily, with Supergirl, we had the whole magic angle, which um, you can do lots of different things with, and, and that leads you to uh, kind of demons and things like that, because that's a, a nice segue to generate those magical abilities somewhere. But um, yeah, you've got to be very careful not to make your character... Well, uh, the the Mary Sue, or the, I can't remember what the male version of that's called, but it, there is one. And the same idea is that, that it's a character that can do no wrong, essentially, that has no flaws, that doesn't matter what they throw at them, he can, they can solve it with a click of the fingers and then that, that's it. Um, yeah. I, and there are some pretty famous versions of uh, of Mary Sue's, but essentially it's the same thing. You're, you're setting up uh, a, a an instance with a character that where um, where there, there's no proper payoff to something. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead. I've just literally just seen this. I saw one that's, I've got a thing. It's on www.ranker.com. 15 times movies delivered a perfect Chekhov's gun payoff. Right. And one of those listed, listed in there is Shaun of the Dead, and they do it beautifully with the um, Windsor, the right. Windsor rifle above right. the bar. Yeah. It is mentioned right at the beginning. It's just it's, a it's an offhanded line. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times, but they make enough of it. They make a joke out of it, and I think it's mentioned a couple of times. Yes, and then. It, they, don't they mention on. something like is it a real one or is it loaded yeah. or something like that and yeah and that comes and then comes they even the refer back to that thing when they shoot it and it actually works and then they go oh shit <laughs> and then they've got all the bullets and that that's yeah. essentially what keeps you know that's what ultimately um kind of saves them but it, it's it is a beautiful payoff and i think that's a really good example of 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 a well done Chekhov's gun. Um, like you said, with the fifth element in the match, that was a beautiful Chekhov's gun that was used perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are, th I'm still trying, there's a movie that I'm thinking of. It's on the tip of my tongue and I'm trying desperately to. That doesn't, that doesn't do it. That doesn't fire the gun. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of it because there was one that just I watched and it really, really, really annoyed me, and I and I couldn't fit my finger on why. And then obviously now I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that'll be why. But there are things like I mean, like I say, the ring. Okay, well, like, I tell oh, you what, I tell you what, a good example of it is is Lost. 
a series last. I never got to the end of that because I got lost in it. Like literally lost my sort of int- will to live after a while. But, okay, but think about it like this. So J.J. Abrahams does this, he calls it mystery box writing. So every so often he'll open a new mystery box and the audience will go, oh, what does this mean? And then they will wait and wait and wait and wait and there won't be a payoff to it. Mm. Um, and something else will come along and another mystery box is open and then the audience wait for that thing to happen instead. And the whole series of Lost was like that. And That'll be why I got fed up with it then, because it was yeah. like it's like oh, oh, very oh. very few payoffs, and and right at the very end, and I'm I don't mind if I spoil this for people or not, because it was it's one of those things that's gone down in history as probably one of the worst endings of of a TV series ever. Um, it was all a dream, or they were all dead. One of the they were all in God's waiting room. Oh, so they were all dead. So they I was right. Dead. That was they're the one. No time. one's actually told me. Everyone goes, I'm not going to tell you. And I'm like, let me guess, they're all dead. No, I something... figured that out. I got to the end of a couple. But that, yeah. that was the thing that was all over the internet at the time. I bet they're all dead or I bet they're all, you know, in purgatory or something like that. And that's essentially what they were they were, they were were talking about. That's one of the worst cliche tropes. It was all a dream. Like Dallas was like, oh, it's all a dream. <laughs> and then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. whatever it is. Oh, it's all a dream. Or and it, they were all dead, really. Um, there are so many better ways they could have done that, and I think that was it. Was such so, it was such a promising show. Yeah, I remember yeah. you because there was so, and I kept watching it because I kept thinking I was going to get these payoffs. But they were setting up all these beautiful storylines and all these and mysteries, don't. and then. There Nothing are a few things, happens. you know, in, in individual episodes. There are there are payoffs. I'll, I always remember the one with the spiders and two of them were trying to plot to get people bitten by spiders or something i can't can't remember the The actual plot of it probably yeah it was something like that but then they got bitten by the spiders by mistake and the, the spiders paralyzed you so you were it looked like you were dead but you were actually still alive and the people found them and they thought oh no they're dead we better bury them and so they ended up being buried alive (gasps) <gasps> which I thought that was that was nice yeah. but but so you got those kind of payoffs but it it wasn't the kind of the big story level payoffs that you kind of you want. yeah because there was I just remember that being getting really really frustrating with them setting up all these beautiful storylines and then nothing ever happening and just waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen yeah and then just getting to the point I remember a friend of mine had watched it to the end and she was just like it's shit. Don't bother. You won't get the answers you want. And I'm like, and, and yeah, oh, she was right. <laughs> she was right. Um, now this is one that, 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 uh, something there's a show and it's not the show writer's fault because it is a, it, it was canceled and it, it just, as it hit the, the, the key points, um, true calling. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. I remember true calling. I, I Yeah. It had so much legs and so much so so what so the if you haven't watched it the idea is true who played was played by the lady who played Faith in Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, Eliza Dushku Dushku yeah um she's a morgue attendant and um very much like her mother that's all I can tell you um every now and again a corpse will say save me or help me and then she rewinds a certain amount of time 24 to 48 hours i can't remember how that's long right. it is yeah that's right and then she has to figure it all out and yeah. and and then save them and stop them from dying and then you get later on there's two key points that they introduce which would have been beautiful payoffs had they had they been able to con- continue one of them was her counterpart which was played by oh what's his name from 902 and luke something or other Luke Perry, Luke Perry, Luke Perry. I haven't Um, seen that that series since it was on television, and I can't remember it very well. I've got the box. I loved it, Um, but they got him. He is her counterpart, so he's trying to actively make sure that they get killed, and she is actively trying to save them. This you find out pretty quickly in terms of who he is. So I'm not really ruining too much. Anyway, they start setting up some beautiful things with him, and she does something she's not supposed to do. She saves somebody she's not supposed to save. Right. And you start what, and then just as that is starting to build up, that it ends. Yeah. It just ends, and you're like. Well, here's, here's but, uh, you were saying you were saying that you liked uh, Suicide Squad. 
the second one, number two. I like number two. I was very disappointed with Birds of Prey because I watched the oh, Birds, Birds of the Prey Hollywood was Birds of Prey. Awful. It Absol- really I'm really was. disappointed in that because I wanted it to be good, you know. Yeah, I mean it's um, Harley Quinn and it, it's played by one of the most amazing she's incredible. I can't remember her name, but she's amazing and I love that actress. And she just plays her so well, and I love Harley Quinn as a, as, a, as the antihero because she's just. It's like when she gets the the rocket launcher out and 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 uh, goes yippee, and then like gets so excited about it. Um, but I just you love know Harley why Quinn. That, ultimately, so. that was that was so unsatisfying because it it basically took script from all other movies at the time. There's a good chunk of it was taken out of Deadpool. Ah, so yeah. Um, People have done side by side comparisons of scenes from from Deadpool. Right at the very end, that they they do that whole thing from is it Ferris Bueller where they say, "Are you still here? Is the audience still here?" And it, again, Deadpool did that just a couple of years ago. So yeah, you know, um, there's a there's chunks of script that are taken from other places, and it's it's a again a real shame, terrible. Um, uh, uh, scripting, I, I think, from it, not a great plot really um and a, a real waste of some great characters so I, I also i also think again there was there was a few sort of unresolved things that kind of got forgotten about as well as they went through it and i can't yeah. put my finger on it they kind of felt like there was things that they did they set up and then just went oh yeah no we're going to just move on to something else um, and, and there's there's also you know it, it's not like Oh, but I can forgive it for that because this other thing's really great. Because there's also, you know, there's bad fight choreography all the way through it, and uh, oh, you know, yeah. there's uh, a moment where you see somebody uh, punching and somebody box, else, sorry. and you, you can you can see the, the the punch not landing at all, and yet the other person flies back, which is quite funny, but yes. it's not what we expect in a modern film. Oh, the one this Anara's is the box. One. Anara's box. This really pissed me off. I love Firefly. I love right. Serenity. These are my like the the fight scene in Serenity with River. Just uh, one of the best. You've got a trained ballet dancer using martial arts and ballet to do this wonderful yeah. fighting when everyone's attacking her at once, yeah. and it's just one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. It is an incredibly well scripted, incredibly well. Um, written and acted and it's just beautiful and it's well directed except for Anara's box Mm. that is they set this up they make a big deal out of Anara's box a couple of times in the film and then they solve all of the other plot holes in the film when they do Serenity yeah yeah but they leave that one they just forget about Anara's box but they 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 make it a big deal and you're like People have have said, oh, maybe it's a suicide thing. Maybe it's a th-. people have been waiting it, for that for a long time, and it just didn't. Yeah, it didn't get I paid just, up. But again, that exactly. That's the, that's the whole point of, you know, make Jekyll's sure that gun. you pay off stuff that you've set up because it's a, it's really disappointing for the audience. I was going to mention in Suicide Squad, Captain Boomerang. Yeah, Captain Boomerang has a stuffed unicorn. He uses that stuffed unicorn in various different scenes throughout the film. At some point, he gets stabbed. Yeah, and he's saved by a wad of money that he's got on him in the same pocket where he put the stuffed unicorn. It would have been so much nicer if they'd stabbed the stuffed unicorn. You're talking about the first Suicide Squad, squad. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm talking yeah. about the second one that I liked. I didn't like the first one. It was just a big, but like some of the characters were really, really good. But the whole film itself was just a bit shit. Um, yeah, I, I, the the idea of it is fine, and it comes from a comic uh, which was called Dark Justice, um, which was the sort of the, the 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 magic version of the Justice League, which was um, which is good, and you know, look up and have a look at it if you want. But um, uh, they did just didn't play it well, uh, unfortunately. But yes, the second one was a lot better, a lot an awful lot better. I love the second one so much. Um, but again, you, you, there's there's a couple of little things. I mean, the, the 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 beautiful Chekhov's gun that they do use perfectly is the javelin, because uh, Harley Quinn gets the javelin. Sure. Yeah, and she's like, "Why is it?" Here? And I love that beautiful thing. He's like, "Give it to or or what was it? Hold it for." Or I can't remember what he says, and he never finishes. <laughs> and she's like, 
hold it for a while. Did you hear it? You know, in the drive. Um, but she keeps hold of it and, and she does actually, it pays off beautifully at the end. She's like, oh, I know why I need it now. And that's how they, they, um, yeah. they that becomes yeah. really important. I don't want to ruin it. Um, I mean, there right. was a that little is a, bit. That is a good, good example of it. Yeah, there's some really cheesy moments in it, but it's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful show, beautiful film. Uh, it's like laugh out loud, funny kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, there's little things like they put Harley Quinn in her actual uniform that she would normally wear, the full outfit, the full leather thing with the, do you, do you know what I mean? The black and red yeah, yeah. and not just the little pants. So yeah. they get her in that. She's in it for 30 seconds. Yeah. And then she's in a dress for the rest of it and a torn dress. And I'm like, you set that up in her proper like comic book thing and then you just completely get rid of it. She never goes back to it. She's just yeah. in that dress. That, it it kind of that let me down. That wasn't fairly, Chekhov's gun, but it was No, just, no, no. But it's a, that's a fairly standard thing at the moment. It, you know, the, the, the production designers want to... Um, have their own costumes and, uh, and and stuff, and and a lot of it isn't sort of comic accurate, I suppose. Well, I don't mind that, but when you then when you start, but then the when curtains, you tease it, it's yeah, you want to, and then yeah. you go, oh my god, yeah. she's going to be in the leather suit, and I mean, I mean that's just, mm. but it, it's it's she looks just she's like a proper badass. I love that suit for her, and it, it was the real, you know, it was the true Harley Quinn coming through. Um, but then they just fail to ever use it again. Mm, um, mm. You know, another really good Chekhov's gun that they, I, I, in fact, I don't think it was a Chekhov's gun, but it was a, a nice little plot point with the, with the, with the weasel where they kind of made the, the weasel a bit more important than he was. And that's what I'm going to say. Like in the, in the, <laughs> in the, in the, in the uh, ad, adverts, he was, you, you see him in the adverts licking the thing and you think, Oh, and you see him in the plane, and you see him so often in the adverts, and they make a big deal out of it, and then... No, yeah, it is very difficult to talk about stuff that you don't want to spoil for your audience in case they haven't seen it. We are at that time now where we actually need to finish. We Basically, we, we time these to, to uh, uh, Tash's bladder. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Uh, make sure you check us out, murderingapodcast.com, if you want any more information. We've got show notes and everything there. Until then, thanks for coming along. We'll see you next Thank time. You. Bye, everybody. That was Murdering a Podcast, and if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>